2: Hi there, my name is Scott Sulak and you are listening to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I'm a friend of Dr. Pat and I have been a guest host on her show before. She's traveling today. She asked me to fill in if I would and I would be glad to normally, but today in particular I jumped at the chance. We have a guest today, Diana Nightingale. Uh, I'm going to give you a little brief intro. Diana's with us now since 1989. She has been the constant torchbearer of inspirational messages written by her husband, Earl Nightingale, who we will talk about in a bit of detail today. Diana is affectionately called the first lady of transformation, but more than just a torchbearer, Diana's an international speaker, a prolific writer, life coach, and a seminar leader. She's a retired real estate broker, probably good to be retired real estate broker these days, and the owner of Keys Publishing, whose mission statement is unlocking doors through education and was inspired by her work in the inner city area of the teens in 1970s and her work with the Mental Health Association. As a talk radio host of her own, At the Crossroads of Life is the name of the show. Diana brings soundness of thinking, reason, and a sense of humor, so plan to laugh today. At the Crossroads of Life, Diana's dutton Radio show spotlights the work of her late husband, Earl Nightingale, and well-known guests. Welcome, Diana.
3: Hi,
2: Scott. Hi there, or should I call you, uh, Mrs. First Lady?
1: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Diana will be just fine. <laughs>
2: okay. Alright. Uh, nice to have you on the show. I've made so many notes about the things I'd like to cover with you, but first I'd like to start by highlighting Earl. I grew up listening to Earl and have probably listened to nearly everything he recorded. And uh, at a dinner party, I could probably do a good imitation of him, but I'm, I'm not going to do that now. Uh, and or, or even the area of personal development, who most people know the term, but uh, not many, not a lot of people don't know how important Earl was in the field of personal development and the industry as it developed. So if one of your grandchildren were to ask you what grandpa did uh, or whatever he, papa did, Uh, Putting it in simple terms, who was Earl Nightingale?
1: Uh, Earl Nightingale was a man with a great voice and a great ability to tell stories about life and truth of uh, uh, how how to live our life, and uh, a man who just really motivated and inspired people all over the world.
2: Tell us more. Tell us about the man. Tell us about the person, Earl.
1: Oh, he was funny. He made me laugh all the time. He he had a great sense of humor. He had a real, he was uh, very childlike in his uh, wonder of the world. He was, you know, always amazed at the beauty of the night sky and sunrises and flowers. And, and he was just joyful. He's a very giving person. He was one that would literally take the shirt off of his back and give it to someone if they said, wow, that's a great shirt. Uh, just a really, really wonderful man. I think uh, from the time he was little, he said um, he remembers a moment in time when he was kind of kicking down a dirt road. And he was up in uh, northern Arizona somewhere, and, and he could look at the mountains and the hills and the trees. And he said he just kind of stopped for a minute, and he just chuckled to himself because he realized that he could move and they couldn't and that uh, he could basically go anywhere he wanted to, and he couldn't wait to grow up and just see the world and, and uh, you know, just experience the wonder of it all. Mm
2: -hmm. You know, I've uh, often, in my talks, have used a lot of different analogies and metaphors that uh, I picked up by listening to to many of uh, Earl's recordings. But I wonder, as you're saying that, did he... Did he live his life always comparing life to various kinds of metaphors that he always seemed to use in his speaking?
1: Yes, he did. Uh-huh. He saw, he saw the lessons of life all around him. Uh he wasn't big on um, following current fads. He was really into things that were tried and true, tested over time. Uh the uh the things that people taught way back when that were still true and valuable in today's world.
2: Hmm. If you think that, for example, there's lots of different people involved with personal development these days, and personal development has kind of widened to be a wide variety of topics that might include uh the medical field as well as the the claim to healing and um, and and other such terms H- how would somebody in today's in this day and age be able to compare to the kind of impact perhaps that that earl had on the industry if there were going to be another earl nightingale and uh, that would have the same kind of impact, it wouldn't be obviously Earl. What would that person have to do in order to make, what kind of message would they have to offer to the world, and, and would it be a man or a woman, do you suppose?
1: Um, yeah, that's a tough question because I think one of the uh, things that Earl had going for him when he started making his startling discoveries about life and and success and that sort of thing, was the fact that there really wasn't a personal development industry. And uh, back in the 50s, uh, I have to do is look at some old-time movies. I know I said one time to my kids, what do you think those TV programs back in the 50s and 60s, you know, Leave it to Beaver and all that were all about? And they said, uh, they were just comedies. I said, No, that was real life, you know.
3: And <laughs>
1: and and people back then basically um had their jobs pretty well cut out for them. They kinda knew in advance that they were to grow up, they were to get an education, they were to get a job, they were to get married, have children, uh, buy a house, have a mortgage, pay it off, stay with the same job 30, 40 years, uh, do pretty much what other people were doing. And so when Earl came along with this the writing and the recording of The Strangest Secret, it was really kind of shocking to people uh, to think that they had any kind of control over their own lives and to even think about stepping out of that box and to... Um, to pursue their own hopes and dreams and, and desires, mm-hmm. and I think that the uh, you know when it was first written, it was written only for a handful of men and only intended to be played for two weeks while he was away on a fishing trip mm-hmm. and Yet everybody was you know mesmerized by by the message everybody wanted a copy and they got copies and they shared them with other people and you have to stop and consider that this recording. Went to over a million copies in a short period of time without any mm-hmm. marketing or any advertising, in a perfectly new with a, a whole new message for people.
2: Right, I, I remember when I first heard it. I was seventeen, and I had been handed this. Well, actually, there was a group of salespeople in a uh, in a gathered in a room around a like a, a small conference table, and everybody was and i didn 't I walked in on the meeting, and it was my my father 's company and he had about six or eight salespeople in that room and and they were hovered around it, looking at each other. It was as if uh, you know the uh, the message from God had been handed down, and these people were just uh, just hovering on the message and and I was watching them more than I was listening to Earl I eventually got my own copy but it was and that was uh, that was many years after the recording had uh, actually come out and uh, and I think it probably was the same kind of thing every time people were exposed to it it was it was so new and yet you know it, it had so much impact and I'm just wondering if Today, if somebody were because like recently, not too long ago, the secret came out and uh, and I watched it and uh, and I thought it was it was interesting. I thought it was um, it was good to see people were kind of getting back to the the idea but but i I wonder if, in fact, um, there were things that were in the strangest secret earl 's recording that were missing in the secret because I'm not sure the substance, I know the, the word secrets there and uh, the word, the idea of uh, kind of drawing things to you, but uh, where do you think the, the, how do you think the message is different between those two?
1: Well, to be perfectly honest with you, I've never listened to or watched The Secret. <laughs>
2: Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, well then, then you would be a good person to ask, then, would you?
1: Well, you know, my feeling is that when you've got the real thing, you know, yeah. why would you want to accept a substitute? You know, I, you know, I, I often say it's sort of like, you know, I've right up to the local dollar store and they've got these, you know, gazillion liters of cola there for a dollar, but people are still going to the grocery store and buying coke and pepsi you know and paying four or five dollars for it because it's the real thing so basically you know when (laughs) you've got the thing at home you just really don't uh don't
3: accept invitations
2: well fair (laughs) enough then then let me ask you this then um there there was in my mind a distinction between the two uh one was just the, the secret was relative to the idea, the concept, that you could draw things to you and that you could become a magnet for what it is that you desire. And when I think of the strangest secret, I think of it more in the context of uh, working, as Earl would say, towards a worthy ideal uh, something that involved the work process. And we're going to take a break in just a moment, and I'd like to come back, and on that same note, I'd like to discuss the, the difference between attracting something towards you and becoming a magnet for it versus paying the price, working towards that something that you're trying to achieve. So we'll be right back. Stay tuned.
0: thick can creamy Greek God's yogurt is simply yogurt delicious. Greek God's yogurt is full of probiotic bacteria good for overall health and it's made with all natural ingredients in the same tradition yogurt has been made in
1: Greece for centuries. Try the Greek God's popular honey yogurt or the tangy yet subtly sweet pomegranate. Don't forget to try the new Greek God's kefir cheese spread. Great for dips or as a healthy substitute for sour cream. Be happy. Go Greek. Experience the myth.
0: Is Egypt calling you? Join Dr. Friedemann Schaub and Danielle Rama Hoffman for an initiatory journey to Egypt, May 2010. Picture yourself meditating in a great pyramid, cruising down the Nile on a private sailing yacht, and exploring ancient temples in exclusive visits. For a journey that expands your consciousness and opens your heart, call 866-903-6463 or visit EgyptIsCalling.com.
3: Do you like where your health and looks are headed? Or are you ready for a total transformation? Your dollars and days off have never been more precious, so why waste them on anything other than lasting, real rejuvenation? Sure, there are expensive spa vacations, and then there's total transformation. Join best-selling author Kat James in a gorgeous mountain setting where you learn the very food and self-care principles that transformed her beyond recognition without self-deprivation. Break free from the food and beauty self-sabotage and spend five days with the woman's self-magazine calls a master of self-transformation. You will even celebrate the new you with a world-class makeover and photo shoot. Want a total transformation but can't afford to get away? A 10-catch teleprogram from your home via computer or phone. Make 2009 your year for Total Transformation. Call us at 877-54-TOTAL or visit us at TotalTransformation.com.
0: Are you living your life to the max? Is there anything you would like to change about how you feel or what you're experiencing? You can have anything you want. An empowerment psychic, Linda Dickinson, can show you the way. Living your life to the max is more than a catchphrase what we intended when we came into this life. Empowerment Psychic Medium, Linda Dickinson, online at InMyFuture.com. For private sessions, call 800-206-9096. Live your life to the max. Hey.
2: Welcome back. My name is Scott Sulak of Changeforgood.com, and I am filling in for my good friend Dr. Pat on the Dr. Pat Show. We are here today with Diana Nightingale, the First Lady of Transformation, wife of the late of the late Earl Nightingale, and we are talking about the difference between the secrets and the strangest secrets. And uh, my question. And we, we had a, a chance to talk a little bit about, uh, this, this question on the break. The secret is visual. It has, um, effects. There are, there are, uh, people that are being interviewed. There is a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, glitz, a lot of, uh, show business in it. The strangest secret recorded in, what was it, 1958? Was it? F- 56. 56. Uh, uh, and, and released on vinyl. And in fact, I have a copy. I, I was uh, telling Diane about. I have an actual original copy of, of the strangest secret, and uh, it required people to think more. I think I'm, I'm guessing, um, because they had to draw from this recording their own thoughts and their own images. But more importantly, my dis- the distinction I was looking for was that does the secret and uh, Diana had not seen the movie, but does The Secret uh, offer to people the, the, the actual steps along the way to create what it is they're trying to receive in their life, versus Earl's take on it, which is basically that you're moving towards a worthy ideal. And I'm wondering if many of the people who listen to The Secret or things like The Secret don't miss that one important ingredient, which we've discussed before, which is that you are actually taking action and drawing these things to you by the actions you're taking. So if you could, Diane, I know you didn't see the movie, but talk a little bit about that issue of paying that price.
1: Well, I think to begin with, uh, we do attract things to us. Because what we are always doing is we are are creating a life out of our thoughts. So you don't have to, you know, have listened to the strangest secret or seen the secret in order for this to operate in your life. It just does. I mean, it's just there. And, you know, the old saying, birds of a feather flock together. And people will say, it just seems like, you know, everything I do goes wrong or somebody else, no matter what they do, everything goes right. Or it seems like I'm always attracting losers while other people are always attracting. Attracting winners. And this doesn't have anything necessarily, this goes on with the subconscious. It's what's going on inside of your mind and, and mm-hmm. the way you go about uh, living your life. But the, but the other thing that Earl talked about was being intentional in your thought and intentional in your direction. And then being willing to pay the price. The price being either time, energy, money, uh, education, service uh whatever that may that may be. Uh and you work towards that. You're always working towards that. And he felt that if you were working towards a worthy goal, you were already successful. Uh you know, so it success wasn't um Based on arriving at the achieved goal as far as Earl was concerned. As long as you were living your life, uh, always in a positive direction, moving forward, you know, accomplishing this and then moving on to the next thing with a real positive, uh, attitude knowing that you are going to achieve that. So there's a difference between, you know, setting out, uh, like we all do. Someone needs a new refrigerator, a new car, we want to buy a new home. Whatever that may be, you know that's kind of like goal setting. We put the picture out, you know. We pick out the car, we pick out whatever, we put it on the refrigerator, on the bathroom uh, wall, and look at it every day. But I mean that; those are two. those are two different things, but um, both ways, you know, you will attract to yourself whatever you're thinking about.
2: So the term that Earl would use is, we become what we think about. I mean that was really the. the the centerpiece of that concept, of the strangest secret. We become what we think about. Conversely, I, I would imagine that we, we don't become what we don't think about, but what about all those subconscious thoughts, you suppose, when we're thinking about them and we can't somehow not think about them? What about that? Tell me how, you, tell me how, you, how that stacks up for you.
1: Well, I, I think, first of all, I think we learn to think in certain ways when we're children. I think we're taught to think in certain ways, uh, even about ourselves. People, you know, our families either tell us that we can do it and we're great and that there isn't any obstacle that can ever come between us and what we want to achieve, Or they tell us, you know, you'll never amount to anything, you're no good, you're just like your mother or your father or your brother or whomever. And so there are these these thoughts that we have that are kind of, um, they're like the parental voice in our head that Mm -hmm. kind of overrides whatever we think we would like to do. And I think that at some point in time, um, if we aren't, naturally optimistic, and a lot of people are. Earl was naturally optimistic, always. He always expected the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we aren't naturally optimistic, I think we have to take a look at the those thoughts and mm-hmm. ideas that we have and find out whether or not they're valid uh, and whether or not they're really keeping us from, from achieving those things that we want to achieve.
2: Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times uh, people do have a couple of different sets of thoughts, uh, kind of like the old cartoon where there's a devil and an angel on each of your shoulders, and I think that often people give too much energy or too much power to their negative thoughts, and uh, being naturally positive, as Earl was, it probably was a little bit easier than people who are kind of drawn towards negative thinking. Uh, any thoughts about what you might suggest to somebody if they happen to to kind of lean more towards that negative side how would you uh, how would you suggest they would they would focus more on the positive what would you say to them
1: well i, I think you have to realize that every day is a new beginning and that just because you thought a certain way or or had certain actions in the past, good grief, we would never move forward as a society, as a nation, as individuals, as, you know, our culture, if we just stopped with where we were yesterday. And so I think it's always possible. You know, Earl said it was one thing that we could do is we can control our thinking. And... Um, I think that the more you practice it, you know, at first it's very difficult. Um, I certainly have had times when I've had to say, all right, that's it, don't think about that, <laughs> you know, or mm-hmm, just right. go play some music, get out of uh-huh. the house, take take a walk, whatever. And I think that, uh, you know, it's difficult. Um, I, I think that one of the things that, that probably bothers me so much about so many of the um, – opportunities that people have today to get involved with what's called personal development. Uh when basically it isn't doesn't have anything to do with you personally at all. It really has to do with, you know, be, you becoming a follower of someone else's ideas, uh joining another group, not becoming an individual. And I think that uh, it's really important to have Alone time, alone time when nobody is influencing your thoughts and your feelings, and to have some time for uh, examination of what makes you sad, what makes you feel good, what makes you feel bad, why did you think that in the first place, when did you first start to accept some of the negative aspects of your life, and it really, it really should be personal development, and I think that that's the the, the power and the strength of the strangest secret is that Earl. Uh, gives so many uh, good examples in just such simplified terms. One of my favorite, and I'm sure it's yours, too, is when he talks about the mind being like the the earth, and that you can plant whatever you want in it, and what in the 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 mind doesn't care, and neither does the earth. It will simply mm-hmm. return to you whatever you plant. So if you plant a good seed, something will grow that you can eat, use in some beneficial way, or you can plant poison, and it will mm-hmm. grow just as abundantly. And oh yeah,
2: and one of my favorite, thats one of my favorite uh, nightingale uh, stories about the um, what was it? The nightshade that you could plant; it would grow in just as much abundance as corn.
1: That's and, correct.
2: Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that, and that's, and that's very true. So what you're saying is that every day is a new day. Uh, you could start again. You, uh, you may have fallen victim to some of your past thinking and that may have soured that moment or that day or that hour or whatever, but you can, you can draw a line in the sand and say, okay, well that's, that was then and this is now and I'm going to plant some new seeds, some new thought seeds and I'm going to move ahead, and I'm going to start focusing on what it is I want and, and how I want to feel and, and what it is that I desire, and I'm going to abandon my the, the compelling urge to be drawn to that darker, more negative energy.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing, too, that, that is very difficult for most of us, and that is to, to really be accountable for where we are in life and to accept the fact that we have made choices you know whether we can say well, somebody made me do it, I, I had no choice, like, my job took me there, my family, whatever, you still were the one that made the choice. And, uh, and I think that the minute that you become accountable for where you are in life um, and you realize that you do have choices and start making better choices, you're going to have better outcomes.
2: Yeah, I, that is not necessarily a modern-day thought, uh, a contemporary thought. Uh um, way of thinking I, I think that we 're in our society much more drawn towards the um, the victim role uh, for the most part and i I wish that more people did take responsibility and accountability for not only what they think and 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 more importantly what they do but also for their direction and uh, you know I, I think about earl 's uh, story about uh, the depression, and there 's so many good stories. That he tells about in his recordings about the uh um, the the challenges that people had to um, had to contend with in at a time where you know unemployment was twenty five and thirty percent and uh, there were bread lines and soup lines and uh you, you know there wasn't any conveniences to speak of, and I think that uh people had to take accountability then, and uh there there should be more of that now, I think.
1: I agree, and I think I think that's a hard pill to swallow. And I think that what what I find, as I get older, and I listen to people's stories, people must have achieved some some things that were wonderful in their lifetime, and yet they, they I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure, but yeah. they, they they always talk about the bad stuff, the tragedies. You oh, know, yeah. oh
2: yeah, oh yeah.
1: And they, they just get so much mileage out of, out of that without any thought that, you know, hey, you know what? We all, we all have pain. We all suffer. Um, you know, and, and, I think death, the death experience is, you know, one of the most powerful where, you know, you go through life and you think it's really sad that somebody died or somebody lost their loved one or there's been an accident or a tragedy and gee, that's really a shame, you know, and then it happens to someone that you love and oh my gosh. Oh you know, yeah. You wonder how can the world still be revolving? You know, how just, don't
2: people understand my pain <laughs> yeah. suffering here? That's you know? right, yeah, Matt, <laughs> yeah, you guys all have to stop living for a minute and let me tell you my story. And there's so much of that one-upmanship that goes on when it comes to pain, and and uh, that people really uh, they kind of get wrapped up in it. So, what, which which brings me to a great segue, and we're going to come back in a moment. We're going to take a break. I want to talk about about. Uh, at the crossroads of life, because of, as at the, at the crossroad of life, because that is the the type of theme then that we're we're looking at in your show, and where people are are actually uh, making a transition. So I'd like to talk about that when we get back. Uh, if you'll uh, if everyone will stay tuned, we'll be back in a moment with Diana Nightingale.
1: Call Susan Tyler at 888-629-4949 or visit StressDetective.net.
2: <laughs> Welcome back. My name is Scott Sulak, and this is Dr. Pat's show, and this is not Dr. Pat. This is Scott Sulak. I am a friend filling in. She is traveling today. We are here today with Diana Nightingale, the First Lady of Transformation. How do you like that title, by the way, Diana? How do you like that first lady of transformation? Is that sticking? Do you like it? Is it good?
1: <laughs> it's been around a long time. The first time I heard it I just I just said, What? I, you know, someone introduced me, did the whole routine, you know, and the woman said to me, What you are? And I said, Oh, well, okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it's not like uh, you know, there's a uh, like the Betty Ford Clinic. It's not like you're. Uh, oh, I got a we got a little interference there with the phone.
1: I just unplugged it. Sorry. Ah,
2: there you go. I thought that might have been mine, and I I have earphones on, and you never know. Maybe it was just in my head. We were, we were when we took <laughs> when we took a when we took our break. We were we were about to segue into your radio show at the crossroad of life. And it can be heard on NightingaleRadio.com. And uh, you're doing some work down under, down in in Australia with a partner. And I wonder if you could fill us in on the radio show and fill us in on the Nightingale Institute that you're working on down there.
1: Okay. Um, Well, some time ago I was invited to be on a radio show, I guess about a year and a half or so ago, uh, with Greg Norman, who has a radio show up in uh, Rhode Island. And we just really hit it off, and we'd have these really great conversations, two and three hours on the phone, and decided we needed to start recording some of the stuff. And uh, so we were doing a, a weekly um, program called At the Crossroad of Life. And um, and Greg's just gotten real, real busy. He was Mr. Mr. Rhode Island. He's a bodybuilder, and he's busy building a personal development radio. Uh, network. So we're going to be doing some stuff together in the future. Mm-hmm. And, uh, meanwhile, I've been doing some great interviews with some old friends and people in the, in the industry like Wally Amos, famous Amos Cookie Man and Dennis Waitley and Jim Tunney who was an NFL referee for so many years and some just really interesting people that, uh, Earl and I knew very well. And, uh, recently I've opened the Nightingale Institute in Australia or Australia, as, uh, mm-hmm. as my partner says. Uh-huh. And uh, we're busy doing weekly radio shows with uh, successful businessmen of Australia. Mm-hmm. And um, also, uh, hopefully, I'll be going over there sometime within the year, and we're hoping to do some really great documentaries, uh, television documentaries over there.
2: Oh, great. So, So Nightingale radio.com and for the listeners nightingale if you could spell it because sometimes I think they may have they may have a little problem with it
1: it's N I G H T I N G A L E nightingale just like the bird night in gale
2: right so the like night and then the word in and then Gale, G-A-L-E, Nightingale, radio.com. Right. Okay, great. And then now there is also another website that you have, which is DianaNightingale.com.
1: Right. And basically that kind of just gives you some information about me and links you off to my other two sites. And my main uh, website, of course, is EarlNightingale.com, where we carry all the classic works of Earl Nightingale and mm. there's some good pictures and good information about about him.
2: Now that is to n- not to be confused then with Nightingale Comment Corporation. I think they're different, aren't they?
1: They are different. Yes, Earl Earl was the co-founder of that company um back in the in the 60s and but he retired from them in 1987 and we formed Keys Publishing at that time to take his work to future generations and to Broaden the the marketplace somewhat.
2: I got you. So if somebody is uh, looking for work that Earl had once recorded, Nightingale, Nightingale EarlNightingale.com, and they're going to be able to find everything they'd ever need there.
1: Absolutely. And uh, this last year, I put together the Nightingale Library, which is the most Uh, concise library of his work ever. Uh, It has the original Strangest Secret in it. It has a video. It has a slideshow of... um pictures that were taken from our personal home library so you do get to see earl you know carving the turkey and Mm -hmm. and you know being a real guy eating sandwiches and stuff (laughs) and um and then it, it contains the uh the uh creative library and the leadership library and the classic library and it's just the most complete uh library you could ever ever hope to find
2: when you were talking just a minute ago about the uh, eating a sandwich, I was thinking about the story you told me the other day when we were talking uh, where you had your your phone number listed in the white pages and how anybody could just find your number, call you, and Earl would answer the phone. And uh, people would call, and he'd answer, and then you would hear the other side of the conversation. And what what did you say? He would be responding, well, then why did you call? <laughs> I could say it's said, oh, I didn't think you'd answer. <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah. People would say, you know, that they listened to his radio show, and, they, you know, he always talked about his personal life and our life and what we were doing, and so people would say, you know, I think he lives in Arizona, and so they'd be, you know, Scottsdale, and they'd say, you know, what, let's look in the white pages and just see, and they'd look and they'd say, well, this can't be right. You know, it must be an office. So
3: mm-hmm. they'd
1: call, and he'd answer, and, and you know, he'd say, Oh, this is Earl Nightingale. And they go, yeah. Earl Nightingale, is it really Earl Nightingale? And, he'd say, and, he would, and, and he would say, you know, uh, who did you wish to speak to? And they'd say, well, Earl Nightingale, he'd say, well, here I am. You know, they'd say, well, I didn't think you call." He'd well, then why did you call, you know? And by now the people would be, you know, they'd be stepping all over their tongues because, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't know what to say next.
2: I but, can imagine, yeah. Well, this day and age with paparazzi and all the different uh, layers to get through to people, I would imagine it's probably, uh, it would be really surprising to find somebody's name in the phone book and be able to reach him now.
1: Oh, yeah, I mean, how many times have you looked on a website and tried to reach somebody and they're you know, they 're just not available um, but he you know he was a man who was very humble he never felt he never took credit for anything people would say oh i heard you speak in such and such a place you changed my life or you know i was to the strangest secret you changed my life and he'd say no i didn't you know uh if the if the information i gave was valuable to you you know you were the one that did it And he would say i'm just a conduit (laughs) i this is this is not new information i didn't invent this information uh and uh he was just and he always felt that it was okay to you know, for us to sit there and let our meal grow cold while mm-hmm. someone came to our table because he said, you know, these are the people that, you know, basically put food on our table.
2: Oh yeah. I that was a it was a really cute story when we were talking the other day and uh and you were mentioning that uh the, besides the, the fact that sometimes people would call and, and uh and surprise him or or he would surprise them by answering, um, that uh that he was so approachable in, in so many ways in that when he would be speaking in front of a group, he would come in with his notes or his, his prepared speech and he would say, I'm just here to give a talk. And then he would talk and then as he would finish each page, he would pause and turn the page and talk and talk a little bit about that because that, that uh, speaks to, to, to the kind of gentle soul that he was because he seemed so, so down to earth in that way.
1: Well, he was, and you know, Earl was basically a shy man, uh, believe it or not. He was, he, he used to get, he would just get absolutely paralyzed before he would have to give a talk. And he would just get, he would just look at me and he'd say, how can you sit there eating your dinner when all these people are sitting there, are you <laughs> sit there? <laughs> And I'd say, it's really good. And, and you know, and he would, and then he'd sit there and he'd say, "I have no idea what I'm going to say to these people, and I, I think I'm going to faint." And he just, he really had a tough time. And he said the worst time ever was when he spoke to uh, a group at, uh, I guess it was Radio City Music Hall. And he said he had, he had to walk for a long time, you know, before he could just walk out there. And he he always said, "I'm a writer and I'm a radio person. I am not. I mean, he did not enjoy public speaking. He was always very self-conscious." Uh, it weighed heavily on him. And, you know, if somebody got up and walked out, he'd say, you know, I, I must have said something. And I said, or maybe they had to go to the bathroom, <laughs> you know, which would be very helpful to him because he never thought in those terms. He always thought that it must have been something that he said or did. But he was just a real nice person. I mean, he was a blue jean kind of guy, you know, that mm-hmm. – uh, Loved his picnics and going boating and um, was just always so dedicated. He was just so dedicated to learning all he could about uh, the truth of life and then sharing it with others. And and he he was compulsive about the sharing part. He just wanted everybody to know every good thing that he ever learned.
2: I was just reading while you were talking there that the, I was looking for this statement, uh, his enlightenment had come when he was 21 working at CBS. He happened to be reading think and, Grow, think and Grow Rich when he read the words, we become what we think about and suddenly like a bolt of, a bolt out of the blue he realized that, that he had been reading the same truth over and over again and I'm wondering in his own, his own words, the way the, the kind of down-to-earth guy that he was, how that would have come to him, in what way? Because he seemed like he'd be the kind of guy that would just kind of hit his head with his palm and say, "Oh, I got it." We become what we think about, and uh, and he he seemed like I would have loved to have met him. And, and when we were talking the other day, I thought, "Well, oh, it would have been nice if I had known he would have answered the phone. I would have definitely called him. <laughs> I would have definitely called."
1: Oh, I need to take a little lunch, too.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to be right back. We are here live with Diana Nightingale, and please stay tuned. We'll be right back.
1: It's a new day. Join intuitive coach Dawn Marie Stansfield every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific on the Dr. Pat Show Network. Dawn Marie focuses on the self-empowerment of individuals by examining present-day circumstances. She offers practical tools you can use to help overcome difficult situations and move forward on your life path. Learn more at DawnsVision.com and catch It's a New Day with Dawn Marie Stansfield Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific. Visit the DrPatShow.com for show listing.
3: Sign up for the weekly newsletter to get advance notice of guests, events, and special offers. Visit thedrpatshow.com
0: and get ready to live life all out. Do you want to prosper by using good timing to work in harmony with the universe? Each year, show host Madeline Gerwick provides a new good timing guide so you can know the best times for all your important activities. To order the new 2010 Good Timing Guide, just go to askmadeline.com. That's A S K dot com and click on the Polaris store or call 877-524-8300 to get your 2010 Good Timing Guide today.
1: Reach your full potential and increase energy with the superfood of the Inca, Maca Magic. Maca naturally balances hormones, relieves symptoms of PMS, menopause, and erectile dysfunction. Maca increases energy, stamina, and endurance without caffeine. Learn more and live well with their amazing line of superfoods. Available online at macaroot.com. That's M-A-C-A-R-O-O-T dot com. Or call 541-846-6222.
0: Margaret McElroy is an internationally recognized psychic, medium, and gifted spiritual teacher graduating hundreds of students from five continents. A popular magazine and newspaper clairvoyant from nearly a dozen publishing houses, she's authored eight books and hosted syndicated radio shows on over thirty stations around the world. Margaret says there's never been such a thirst for metaphysical knowledge. Check out her website at margaretmcelroy.com. That's margaret m c e l r o y dot com.
3: Are you
1: tired or struggling to get to where you want to be in your life? Want some help getting to that next level? Hi, I'm Dr. Melody Ivory, personal growth expert and passionate champion of your complete success. I'm excited to give you powerful books, teas, and coaching to help you easily transform your life from the inside out. Now is the time to make your life sing. Visit MelodyIvory.com for free articles, poetry, and affirmations. That's Mm MelodyIvory.com.
2: Welcome back. My name is Scott Sulak, and I am filling in today for my good friend, Dr. Pat, on the Dr. Pat Show. We are here today live with Diana Nightingale, and she is the First Lady of Transformation, wife of the late Earl Nightingale. We were talking about... Well, we talk about many things. I, I was about to segue into a, a subject that uh, we had talked about on break. We talked about actually when we first uh, chatted a few days ago. We we um, we see things differently as men and women relative to personal development, and there are many different leaders in the in the field of personal development, and that's such a wide. Uh, a varied uh, subject, personal development, but uh, and it ranges as I mentioned earlier, from healing all the way to Dr. Phil type of uh, shows but the point I wanted to raise and the question I want to pose to you, the Nightingale Conan type of personal development program seemed to have moved more towards men earl's earl 's recordings were as you say, um, geared more towards men. Uh, especially from the era in which they were recorded and and even in this day and age uh, now today, um, much of the personal development field has been geared towards men, yet there is a different view of what personal development is as a woman sees it, and I'd like you to, if you could, draw a distinction for us as to how you see the difference between the way women see personal development and men.
1: Well, I can tell you how you know my opinion because I'm I I don't always relate to you know other people uh, because I'm such a free thinker.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you are a woman.
1: <laughs> uh, yes, I am a woman. Uh-huh. Uh, Earl was really happy about that. Uh,
2: <laughs> so were your kids. So were your children. I would say. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Huh? I I think that uh I think there the big distinction is that for so long. Men really got their um, their credit for how high up the ladder they could go. I mean, there seemed to be a real uh, a painting of how successful you were by where you were on the uh, labor union on the labor. Labor ladder, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the higher up you went, the, the more successful you were deemed to be. Right. And I think that women, you know, traditionally, and we're talking traditionally, not about today's world, mm-hmm. uh, and I think women basically, you know, did stay home, and I think that many women felt very successful uh you know ironing shirts and cleaning house and getting dinner on the table and raising children and and being there for their husbands and so i think that t- to begin with there was a difference uh in an attitude towards um, you know what what success really means mm-hmm. and i think that for a long time uh personal development was really sort of that thing that um you sent your top executives off to the seminar, you know, off to the retreat to mm-hmm. either, you know, dump the stress of their lives or to learn new techniques or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that in, in recent times, what we're beginning to realize is that personal development should really be uh, something that leads us to success in being happy and satisfied with whatever it is we may be doing. Mm-hmm. So it no longer has to be a job per se, but anything that we pursue that uh, allows us to use our creative talents, our gifts that, that are, you know, are unique to us, uh, and if we're doing them and we're doing them well and we are, uh, you know, receiving what we we personally need, I think that's, you know, that's the way personal development is supposed to be. And I think that men still feel that, um Success uh, is tied up in how much money they make and what kind of a car they drive, and um, um, you know how big of a house they can afford, and the titles and that sort of thing. And um, I think that there that we see such, like you said, there's such a diverse field today when it comes to personal development that you can almost plug into anything and feel that you are growing in your in your uh, personal capacity.
2: Yeah I would I would think and and uh, as a mental health professional I would think in most of my most of my practice um 80% maybe more 85% is is women um they seem to care more about how they internalize things and and I don't think men I'm not sure that men don't care I just don't think they're aware or, as evolved as women in that respect, so I think that they are more drawn towards the things of life, the status of life, women more towards how they look, perhaps if they were if we were to compare it and uh, and also maybe what they could have should have or might have done i don 't think men do that anywhere nearly as much as women, but I, th- I think they do it but i don't know that um uh the field has actually developed the way in the the personal development field has really developed in a way uh for women as it has for men and i and i would like to see that take place because uh, uh it's it's difficult to say exactly what this world would be like if 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 you know the two were closer more closely aligned and uh and men understood that portion of the personal development, uh, and women maybe understood what men go through because there's a lot, a lot more competition in uh, in the um, on the male side. I think, although women compete with each other, but I don't think they do um, like you're saying in the hierarchy uh, as much of, of business and labor and the labor ladder, as you say. But I think that. Um, men could be uh well suited to learn more about themselves and uh and developing themselves to to be happier people. Okay. I don't think happy is necessarily the equation there as much. So so do you think that earl appealed purposely more to men? Um
1: not necessarily. I think that his uh, programs in the early days were marketed mail order, you know, to men, uh-huh. uh, because that was the only that was the only way that anyone could get information. Uh, we didn't have computers and that sort of thing back then, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. But you know, in addition to the programs that he wrote that were you know on records and cassettes and so forth, remember he had a, a syndicated radio show.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. what was the, cha- was the changing time. What was it? The changing world.
1: Our, our changing world, and it ran yeah. for for more than forty years, and was heard yeah. all over the world. So those were the things that influenced women and mm-hmm. children, because he came into the household at breakfast time mm-hmm. or at dinner time, and and you know, I mean, I can't tell you the thousands of people that have said, "Oh, you know, we couldn't leave the house in the morning until we was an Uncle Earl," you know,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: so he he made a big difference <laughs> in in okay. in the lives of everyone, really.
2: Yeah, that's right. Hello, this is Earl Nightingale. Oh, yeah, that was, it was
1: terrible. <laughs> oh, my
2: God. But so it's, well, you know what? My wife says it sounds a little too much like Richard Nixon when I it. does,
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I am not a crook. I am not a crook. So so uh, is the library the, that's on uh, your, your website, does it have the, the radio shows as well?
1: Uh, no, it doesn't.
2: Oh, I would love to hear those shows. I've heard some of them before. Uh, I would love to hear those shows there. And, and for forty years, I imagine it would be quite the library.
1: Well, it, it it would be, and you have to remember that in the early days of radio, they dumped everything. Nobody ever recorded or kept anything.
2: Right, because it was live, and yeah, and they would have to press a, a vinyl record if they had to. I want I want to I want to digress for a moment because we only have a couple minutes left. Tell me about learning to fly as a nightingale.
1: Uh, learning to fly as a nightingale, uh, started out just as a way of really, um, escaping my own thoughts about, and all the memories that I had that would keep me awake at night after I lost Earl. And I, and I thought if I wrote them down, put them in a file that, you know, they, they wouldn't haunt me. And someone found it and said, you've gotta make a book out of this. And basically it talks about my life growing up, uh, Earl's life growing up, and how we met and about the the time that we spent together and then losing him and then finding uh, my own wings again so that I could fly after he passed away
2: oh beautiful so so is it available on your website as well?
1: yes, it is
2: okay, great because I didn't want to pass that up because that that looks charming i haven't seen it I would love to I would love to uh to experience that as well it it uh it it's you know, I, I imagine it was a very healing process for you to to actually endeavor to explain what it was like to go through all of that.
1: Uh yeah, um, because I wrote it in bits and pieces after he passed away and so, you know, I, I look at it now and it's like reading something that someone else wrote. Uh mm-hmm. but but you know, I have a feeling that if you watch your mailbox you'll probably be getting a care package. <laughs>
2: maybe i'll learn how to fly as a nightingale <laughs> well diana i want to thank you so much it has been a delight to not only talk with you today but also to have met you the other day and uh, and i'm looking forward to doing this again Uh for the listeners who are just joining us this is diana nightingale who has a website several websites i'm going to Ask her to repeat the uh, addresses with the URLs one more time, please, Diana.
1: Yes, uh, you can go to EarlNightingale.com for all the classic works of Earl Nightingale. And they will also link you to our other websites, which is uh, NightingaleRadio.com, Diana Nightingale.com, and our Australian uh, website as well.
2: Oh, wonderful. Okay, and, uh, if, and for those of you who are regular listeners, uh, we will be back soon with Dr. Patch. He is traveling. I am filling in. My name is Scott Sulak. You can find me at changeforgood.com. I thank everybody for listening. Diana, thank you again for joining us, and I'll look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you, Scott. Thank you. Bye-bye.